Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. I mean, well, there's a famous uh, pastor, theologian, uh, a man named uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, many years ago. Uh, he died around 1981 and uh, who was preaching through the book of Romans. And as he got to Romans 14 and verse 17, which says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Before he read that verse and started to preach on it, he collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. And as uh, Dr. Jones, he was a medical doctor as well as pastor and preacher, and as Dr. Jones was rushed to the hospital, he got there, he felt the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you can't preach on that yet. <laughs> he says, um, you don't really understand that verse. <laughs> he said, so before you preach on that next part, I'm going to give you a little rest so you can uh, kind of understand what you're about to preach on, that there is joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I don't know why we Christians down through the ages have kind of struggled with this sense of joy, and a lot of us have, and the church has. And actually, there have been great lengths of time in the church's history where the church wanted to separate what most of us in everyday life consider joyful moments into something different. Like it's not the same as the joy you would have in this situation or that one, that this joy is a lot different and, and just separating it. Uh, but the Bible is full. Now, I didn't check this out, but I read this, that every writer of every book in the Bible has something to say about joy. That it is a prevalent theme throughout all of Scripture. And when Jesus came, and we say this every Christmas, we read things like Luke 2, 9 through 11, where it says uh, that this would cause great joy, Jesus coming, right? For all the people. Great joy. Great joy. And then in Luke 24, 51 through 52, uh, we're talking when Jesus' resurrection and all, it said they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. In John 16, 24, Jesus said, Ask and you will receive so that what? Your joy may be complete. Now that's great joy. That's great joy. That's your joy being complete. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? And unless we redefine what joy is and we want to try to depower it or lower it to something that's so, uh, let's say, uh, intellectually sound, intellectual sounding and not this emotional moment of great happiness, which I think is what joy is. I think it is actually a release of something happy inside of ourselves. We have these moments of joy, right? Where they just overwhelm us. And so, uh, unless we want to redefine it some way, can we just level the ground and say, I just like to be joyful. How about you? Are you good with that? Are you good with having moments of joy? I mean, I don't care if they're defined, right? I want a joyful life. I want to experience joy in my life. I read this fascinating book called The How of Happiness. 
And it's more of a scientific book. It's not a religious book. It's not a Christian book. But in this book, they've done these studies and they say that your happiness factor or quotient or whatever is dependent on three things. One is your genetics, that you have a baseline of happiness. And that's like 50%. Don't get bummed out yet. That's like 50, 50% of, of where your joy comes from or your happiness. We are, we are predisposed to a certain baseline. Some of us, some of us may have a tendency to be a little less, we, some of us struggle with depression, some of us dis, uh, struggle with some chemical challenges and all, and believe me, I understand that, I do. And I know, and that's, I'm not talking about, you know, clinical depression here in this, but I will say this, all of this is going to help wherever you are, what we're about to embark in, on for the next month. If we, will, if we will do this, it'll help all of us. And I understand that. 50%. 10% is circumstantial. Your circumstances. You can be in a situation where this is just very enjoyable. And I'm happy and, and this is great. And then, but get this. Another 40% is dependent on how you think. 40% of it. And here's the good news. Now... Because I think the scripture sets it up front and then science comes in and just says like, uh, like we were talking earlier before the service started that science comes in and just confirms basically what scripture was saying and uh, that they discovered in the 90s that the brain is plastic. It's called neuroplasticity. That the mind can change. It's malleable. And so that 50%, that 50% that we're preset with is malleable. We can change it. We might not can change it totally, but I can tell you this, that 40% that is operable can have a huge bearing on that other 50%. And so the scripture is, uh, of course, been way ahead of the game a long time before this was ever uh, written, these science studies in Romans 12 too, about how that we are transformed, right? Not to be conformed, but to be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. I mean, there it is right there. I mean, Paul said that the brain was plastic back in Romans 12 too. He said it's malleable, that it's able to change with the help of God. It's able to be restructured in a way and helped. Um, here's, a, here's a scientist way of saying this. Cells that fire together, wire together. That sounds like being transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind to me, Right? Cells that fire together, wire together. So as we retrain our minds, as, as we begin to see life the way that Christ sees it, and, and things begin to change. Uh, TED Talks, I don't know if any of you watch people uh, on TED Talks, but Sean Aker, uh, another guy who has done study on happiness in businesses and all, again, not Christian studies, but said that 90% of your long-term happiness is predicted not by your external world, but the way your brain processes the world. The way you see it, the grid, the fog, or the way that it comes at you. And again, the good news in Jesus Christ is Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's such. That's very. That makes me happy. <laughs> because I mean, I you know, I can I can be a little sad sack at times and see things. You know, I wish it was like this. I wish it was like that. 
And, uh, and to know that you can change that perspective of your life is very encouraging. So if you flip your hand out over on the back side as a fill-in as we launch this new series this morning, our text to launch into this, and I prayed and studied so much over which one sets the pace for where we go over the next month. And I really think this is a, is a, a good launching point is Romans 15, 13. It's an easy verse to memorize. When I went walking yesterday afternoon for about 40 minutes, that's just all I repeated to myself as I walked and walked and walked. And it's one of those verses where it flows off your tongue. Remember I tell you how rhythmic the scripture is at times and it's written that way by the authors so that we can remember it, so that we can get it into our hearts and get it into our heads so that we can think on it and it begin to work on us. And so I want us to say this together, Romans uh, 15, 13. Let's put it up on the screen. So you guys ready? Here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may be flow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Your first feeling is this. You can belong to the God of hope. You can belong to the God of hope. May the God of hope. What is your definition of hope? I heard this years ago by, I think, uh, the guy was Bob Mumford. This is probably close to 40 years ago now, 35 years ago. Wonderful Bible teacher. Who, and I never forgot it. An unwavering expectation of good. Isn't that great? An unwavering expectation of good. You can belong to the God of an unwavering expectation of good. Now this verse was written in the midst of Paul talking to the Roman Christians about the Gentile and the Jewish problem. The Gentiles and also what would be called the weaker and the stronger brothers or weaker and stronger parts of the body of Christ. And so this verse is tagged in there as an encouragement to the Jewish Christians and to the Gentile, that is non-Jewish Christians, so that they could do life together and be a picture of the church that Christ wants it to be. So there's great hope in this because in this we find out that God's great expectation of good is that the Jewish believer and the Gentile believer would come together in that hope and truly be a witness to the world of God's great hope. And so I, I think that's a prevalent theme even now, right? Where we live in our culture. Is that not a, a wonderful thing to believe for and look for? Is that God would bring the different entities together in such a voice that Christ would be promoted and people would see Christ in our midst and in our churches. And so, uh, you know, where does the hope come from? It comes from, it comes from him. It comes from God. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I thought, what, what hope do I see in God? And I, I, these are not in your fill-in, but you can write them down if you want to, and I'm sure there are more than this, but there, here's five that I thought of, or four, excuse me. One is hope of change. Hope of change. Again, it's Romans 12 too, that we can be, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hope of change. Because if you feel like you have been stuck where you are, and you are in a situation where you cannot get out of it and there's no change for you, then you lose hope. Your, uh, your expectation of good is definitely beginning to waver, right? Right? Now it's back to this is life. 
This is the way it is. And I'll adapt to it. Maybe if you 50 cent, 50% baseline of how you're happy and joyful, you think, well, my 50% is, is not that great. And, you know, I got to tell you, I know a little bit about this, my family and me, and I, we've, you know, we've had some, some situations and struggles with that. And I'll tell you, this hope of change and the renewing of your mind works. It works as you listen to God's word. There is hope for change. There's hope for wherever you are and whatever you feel like that there's this lostness or this a part of your life that will never be any different than it is. There's hope for change. There's hope of compassion. All of these have C in them, by the way. Um, there's, there's hope of compassion. This is the way I can remember things. There's hope of compassion. John 3.16, for God, what did he do? He so loved the world. He's so, I don't know why we Christians begin to exempt ourselves, by the way. I'm going to write a book. It's called Good God. Why isn't the good news good news to God's good people? <laughs> because some of us, some of us, we were so excited when Jesus saved us and we became Christians and became miserable. <laughs> and that's not right. <laughs> that's just not right. And so there's hope of compassion from God. I mean, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I'm with you always. I'm not going anywhere. Maybe you've suffered abandonment. You've, you've like, nobody's ever stuck it out with you. And God says, no, no, I'm going to be there. You know, there is hope of compassion, an unwavering expectation of compassion, of there can be change. And there's hope of community. You're not alone. You're not alone. God has placed you, the scripture uses the term orphan, has taken you as an orphan and placed you in a family. And yes, it's a universal family that's his, of God, that has been saved through Christ, and now you're, but it's also in all practical issues, you're sitting in it today. That's why I am sold on the local church. Because the local church is where this works. This is where you become community for each other. There is hope of community. Uh, one of these studies said that if you went to some church meeting more than twice a week, you were 47% happier. Those who went less than once a month were only 27% happier. This, again, was not a Christian study. So the power is there in community and there is hope. There's an unwavering expectation. If you have not found a place yet where you feel like I can come home and I can be accepted, there is hope for that in the local church. And um, there is hope of continuity. I like that word because so much of life is like this, isn't it? I mean, right when you level out, then all of a sudden this bump comes and and you're just looking for some consistency, some continuity, something that you can depend on. Something, some way. And, uh, you know, our self-confidence and our, you know, only goes so far. Our self-dependency, our self-made man and womanness, whatever, uh, you know, only goes so far, right? It only goes so far. There are limits to it, but there's a well and there's a resource of continuity that never runs dry. For us in Christ. He is the God of hope. He's the originator of hope. He's the one that created it all. I mean the heavens. The earth. He looked at mankind and he said it's very good.
it's good. And so we have that hope. How do we get that hope? This is your next fill in there. It's trust him. Trust him. That's what it says, right? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, what? Trust in him. As you trust in him, put yourself in his hands. You say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to place you myself in your hands. And um, just a few chapters over in Romans 8, there is uh, Paul is talking about adoption. And he, he says that God has adopted us as, as sons. And he uses the word sons and not daughters because in that culture, this, there were, the males were adopted. So it, and he goes on to say sons and daughters later on. But the picture is this. See, people that were adopted in this period of time were adults. They were adults. It would be like a, a wealthy landowner who had no heir, no adult heir, none. And suddenly he finds a trusted laborer, somebody that's in, on his staff or whatever, and he says, I don't have an heir to give what I have to. I am going to adopt this person. And the minute that he adopted this person, that person went from being an employee to being a son. It went from a professional relationship to a very intimate relationship. This is what Paul's getting at. Intimate relationship. That servant went from being poor to being wealthy forever. That's what Paul says about adoption. As we trust in him, trust him that you are a treasure adopted son and daughter by him. And... um. You know, all, by the way, which just should be, this should give you great joy. That guy or that girl who, who, girl now, all of us together being adopted, who was adopted, all their debts were wiped out. They didn't owe anybody anything. How many of you want to start life like that? How many of you want to say, take me? You know, it's like, I want to be adopted, <laughs> you know, and, and. And what does Jesus say? Come to me, all of you. Who are heavy burden and overladen. Come and I'll take you. Take my yoke upon you. Come. Come to me. Come to me. And what I'll give you is light. Like I said, good God. Why isn't the good news good news to God's good people? I mean, that's good news. Okay, so second one you fill in here is you can be filled with all, and I want you to circle all when you write in, all joy and peace. Do you see that? May the God of hope fill you with what? All joy. All joy and peace. Now, this always makes me thirsty when somebody does stuff like this. So y'all have coffee there. But fill me with all. Fill me with all. That? All. That? I think we're on the convex portion now, almost. We are, you know, put my hand here, it'll rise a little bit. Let me see. <laughs> that is all joy. All. Now, how many of us have experienced all joy yet? But that's the promise to us. That's it. All joy. Not a little bit, not a taste. And I think that's what we get a lot of times is we get just a taste of it every now and then. And we go, that was fabulous. 
But God promises because he is the God of hope, of unwavering expectation of good things to bring us joy. Uh, I love this definition. This comes from another pastor of joy. And he says, it's an emotional response we have to something good. I don't want to mess with that definition. I don't want to spiritualize it. I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to explain it away. I don't want to make it less than it is. I'll say, blow my mind, God. Let's be as joyful as we can be. Let's do it. You know, I've seen, we've uh, been blessed to see different, you'd call them revivals and renewals in our time, Karen and I have. And I remember we were in the middle of one 25 years ago, and it was just crazy. I mean, there were people just coming to Christ, and were people getting healed. There were people, they were laughing. And I remember this one young, uh, probably 16-year-old girl, and the guy that was speaking at, at, our, at our church came over to her, and she was just laughing and smiling, and she looked, and he said, what is going on with you? And she goes, you don't understand. I'm Baptist. We don't do this. <laughs> She, could, she just was smiling. Her face was frozen like this. She was just you know, walking around smiling and happy and, and all. And, you know, the joy that God has for us comes from that deep well of that he is the author of hope. He's the author of hope. What carried so many people through, through so many tough times down through history? It was hope. How do people who have been under extreme duress and problems and, and suffering at times, but yet smile and some of our most amazing music and all comes out of times like that, joyful songs of an expectation of good to come because it was something deep inside of them, all joy and peace that transcended that moment, that 10% circumstance and brought them and gave them hope for something that was coming. They could see it. An unwavering expectation is coming. It's coming. And that had an effect on the now and who they were. So, you know, how do, we, how do we do this? By trusting Him, right? That's what it says. As you trust in Him. As you surrender, as you trust in Him. Um, Psalms 86.4, David said, Bring joy to your servant, Lord for I put my trust in you. And in Romans 14, 17, uh, the scripture that uh, Jones was making reference to and, and that Romans makes reference to over and over again is that the kingdom of God is made up of joy. That's a part of the kingdom of God's presence. When we experience joy, it's a part of God's presence in our lives. So I say more. Give me more joy. I'll take it. Your third one is, you can overflow with hope. You can overflow. Look at the rest, of, look at the scripture. You can overflow so that you may, hey, you know what? All is good. Isn't that not good? I mean, you know, some of us came in here, we're like this, we're like that. Now, this is, this is, this is great, but how about this? Overflow. Overflow with hope. Overflow with hope. That's more than enough for you. <laughs> right? You know why? So I can get slot. I can be around you. When mine's down just a little bit and you're overflowing, I can just kind of dance around in the overflow of your hope. 
That's why what you say, how you talk to people, how you encourage them makes all the difference in the world. How many of you have been picked up in just a moment by someone giving you their time and saying something very kind and encouraging to you? I have. Have you? It's life, isn't it? It's life. It's that overflow. And, and many times the people that are doing it don't even know they're doing it. We just happened to see somebody and we went, oh, I'm so good. It's so good to see you. Gosh, you, man, that, you look spectacular. Gosh, I just want to thank you for what you said the other day because it blessed me. And, and then you go on your way. I think, well, it's nice to see them overflow into their lives. And, and I know what some people think is like this is like not being honest. That's not what I'm saying. You can be honest about where you are. Please do. But let's don't stay in that. There's a difference in covering up and digging out, right? I don't want to cover up. I don't want anybody to cover up how they're feeling. I want everyone to be honest with it. But I tell you this, I want to dig out too. I don't want to like throw it on the dirt, throw on the dirt, you know, and just keep going down like, yeah, I'm really bad, bad, bad. You know, and at times I need someone to come along with a shovel and help me dig out. You get it? And that's the overflow. That's the overflow that we have that God has granted us the beautiful pleasure and gifting to be able to do that to one another and for one another. And in this verse, Paul says for the Gentiles and the Jews, he's like, man, if you'll just let it overflow, it's going to flow. You Gentiles, let it flow. Let the God of hope flow over you. All joy and all peace is going to slosh over on your Jewish brothers and sisters. You Jewish brothers and sisters, let the God of hope flow in your life and let it just pour over on your Gentile brothers and sisters. This is the God of hope. This is the God of joy. Um, how? What does he say? How, do, how does this happen? How do we overflow? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or by, as it says. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how this progression goes? May the God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See how that rolls like that? And you can just say that, do that, get that inside of you, and suddenly you can feel it. You can feel it bubbling up inside of you. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says, For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. This is a church who was under great duress, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I cannot jack myself up enough to be happy. Well, let the Holy Spirit help you. Let the Holy Spirit help you. This is an inside job. That's our problem. When the outside is not so great and we keep looking for the outside to bring us that joy, God says there's an inside source. There's an inside source in the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God, which is the gift of God, which is given to you the minute you, as we see in this verse, trust in Him. Then that source of joy, that source of hope, is suddenly inside of you. It's not on the outside. It's not external. You're not waiting for everything to change outside. Suddenly it changes from the inside. And as it flows up on the inside... 
that plastic brain of yours, and now you get nervous because you see your brain doing this all the time. But it's like as you begin to believe and as you begin to do the things that you're called to do, your brain begins to shift. And those cells begin to fire. And new pathways are beginning to open up. And God begins to what? Transform you. Begins to transform you by the renewing, bang, 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 of your mind. As the Holy Spirit works and as we speak those words to one another. As we come along. And yes, do we allow each other to be in our moments of despair? Yes, we have to grieve. Paul grieved. David certainly grieved. But you know what? They also knew there was a source of hope. And that there was the God of hope. And so they began to transition out. It would be like a wave. And then they would grow in their hope. And they would grow in their joy. So there is hope for us. There's hope for joy in our lives. Um, you know, we're going to learn some healthy habits along the way during this next month, and we're going to practice those. I'll tell you, uh, this same guy, Sean Aker, who did these studies for companies, was, was doing a study for an accounting firm, this huge accounting firm called KPMG. And the managers at KPMG were wondering why their employees, their managers and their accountants were so... had were just so down. They seemed to be so depressed and they weren't enjoying work anymore. And so they hired him to come in and look at the company. And what he said was that, here it is, they were really good at what they did, by the way. They found out that they spent their days, of course, this was their job, looking for mistakes, looking for errors. They had become very good at it, finding mistakes. Very good at finding cheating. Very good at finding error. But the success had resulted in infecting their own lives until they became very pessimistic. And they began to drop in their happiness. Began to lose their joy because that's what they were trained to see. What do you see? Do you see a God of hope? Who wants to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may, be, you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you see that? Dear church, that's our inheritance. That's who God has called us to do. This is kind of a benediction, isn't it? May the God of hope it's like a blessing that is spoken. So here's what I want us to do. Let's stand. If you're our guest today, thank you for coming, by the way. My name's Tim. And uh, <laughs> senior pastor here at the church. I'm so glad you came out. And uh, I want to say that we want to bless. We want to bless one another. And so I want to put that verse back up on the screen again. And here's what I would ask for us to do. Could you look, just look around you, and can you say this verse to someone around you as a blessing? Just pronounce it. Just pronounce it. Just, just look over, even if you... If it's a little weird for you looking in somebody's, I get it, I get it. I understand, I do, I know. But just look out generally then, over the top of the heads of someone and say it. Just say it. 
Yeah, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.